0: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to another Batman News Weekly. Batman News Weekly number four. We have been going for a whole month strong and I gotta say I'm a little bit surprised but I just want to thank everybody that has been downloading every week I really appreciate the support. It means a lot. Shout out to anybody that's been going to the new React channel that I started. We crossed 300 subs, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but I've had a channel that's had 22,000 subs that constantly loses subscribers every time I upload. So to have a channel that's actually growing, feels amazing so I just want to give a lot of love out to everybody in the Batman world in the nerd world for supporting the new endeavors that I've been a part of but I know you're here for Batman news and we're gonna jump into it because there is so much going on in the world of freaking Batman stuff from Joker movie hate to DC possibly being sold a black catwoman that might be coming to the movies and then a whole bunch of other stuff happening in the batman comic books and the biggest one we're going to start off with is the joker hate one because man this movie right now is getting so much praise and i feel like when something's getting so much praise it's going to it often gets equal hate if i if that makes sense i don't know i guess something so polarizing as the joker feels this way But one of the big things, and I'm glad, I'm so glad, I'm off Twitter, but apparently there's been, like, posts going around or people saying how they don't want a Joker movie because they're scared of what it could do to, like, uh, I don't know, like, mentally ill boys or just men that feel like, oh, I feel like the Joker, I relate to the Joker, so it's gonna give me, you know, ideas to go shoot up a school or whatever, That's kind of what's going around social media landscape right now around this Joker movie. Like I said, the positives right now, it's winning like best picture at film festivals. But then on social media, a lot of people are concerned about what this movie might do to young men or people that might be disturbed, you know, mentally or whatever. And it's a really interesting topic, to be honest. Like, I wish somebody was actually here to discuss this with me because I love going back and forth on topics like this. But I'll just give you my opinion at the start. And then we'll kind of just, I'll read some things that I've heard about, or I'll just give you some posts that I've seen that I kind of want to talk about. But in general, my thing on this, I think it's kind of ridiculous to say that a film could do this. Because anything, technically, could be inspiration for somebody to do something very villainous. I think the movies, art, books, everything is meant to to be entertainment, but some people do take it to extremes, or they cross lines, or they do whatever, but it's always entertainment, or it's an artistic expression, and I am somebody that has always, always been on this side of artists, I always feel like when it comes to art, there is no line, as long as you're not physically harming yourself, or physically harming somebody else. I don't, think, I don't think anything's off the table. And I felt like this for a very long time. Specifically, when I was younger, I tried to be an artist. I wanted to be, like, you know, just somebody that loved art. I still love art. Today, I actually just went to an Andy Warhol exhibit, who is one of my favorite artists of all time. I've just always had a fascination with art. But I've never thought there was any limits, especially in my writing that I'm doing with comic books. I'm not I'm not trying to put myself in a box. I'm like, oh, this is too user friendly or this isn't friendly enough. It's not family friendly. No, I'm going to write the stories I want to write because not everybody has the same experiences in life. And I feel like every artist or every comedian or any every filmmaker should be able to express their ideas, their creative visions in whatever way they want. Again, long as it's not hurting anybody physically. And the reason why I'm specific to the word physically is because you're always going to hurt people emotionally. I don't think there is anything 100% in this world that people can agree on. We could all be like, we could all agree that uh, we need freaking oxygen to live, right? And somebody's gonna be like, I don't need oxygen. It sounds really stupid, but there is one person out there that would probably say that. But I think you know where I'm trying to come from with this situation. I just think that there's a lot of people out there that are going to hate things because they want to, or they just don't agree with you or whatever. So you can't really protect somebody's, you can't really take somebody's emotions into consideration when you're doing things because you're just going to constantly limit yourself. So that's kind of how I feel. About the whole Joker thing. I think Todd Phillips, Walking Phoenix, they had a vision for this movie. And I'm glad they're doing whatever they do. If they feel like they wanted to create something that would actually make a real life Joker, then cool. I want to see it. I, I've admitted many a times that I didn't need a Joker movie. But this movie looks so good that I'm very excited for it now. Now, those are my thoughts, and I want to give the perspective of somebody else that does have a problem with this. And this comes from Heather Atthos. She's actually, uh, if you remember the whole controversy with uh, the, I don't know, I forgot what it was called, like the Milkshake Marvel Girls, she was one of them. And I believe she is the editor for Valiant Comics right now. I could be wrong about that, but I believe she is one of the editors at one of the other big comic companies that is not Marvel or DC. She was working at Marvel, and then... um, I know she was doing some freelance stuff for a while. But anyways, she posted this, and these aren't her words. She's posting it from Reddit, but she says that this is, uh, you know, just... It sums it up perfectly. So in her Twitter post, she has the caption, why the Joker movie is problematic, Rachel Miller nails it. And then in this post, this is what Rachel Miller says. Okay, I've pinpointed exactly what bothers me about the Joker movie. I don't want to watch a movie that shows us the trauma that drove the Joker insane. I don't want to watch a movie of a well-intentioned but unstable man get bullied until he turns into a mass murderer. I don't want to watch a man get rejected by a woman as an excuse for the future of domestic abuse. I don't want to be shown a poor, unfortunate underdog this man was who was sadly forced into circumstances and the nasty Batman to take up a life of crime. I don't want to have sympathy for a man best known for his robbery, murder, and arguably rape shoved down my throat for two hours. I don't want this to be sold as a relatable story that can happen to anyone with a bad enough day. I don't want to be around any of the lonely white boys who relate to it. Do you see where I'm getting at? I don't know if there's ever a good time for a movie that paints mass murder as a logical conclusion of a socially isolated, debatably neurodivergent white man being failed by the system, but I feel as though this is not fucking it. I don't want to see a movie that idolizes the Joker when there are plenty of easily armed fuckboys who already think he has the right idea without adding a tragic backstory to illicit sympathy. I also don't want the narrative line to be drawn between mental illness and mass murder. As it is often done to modern eras and Batman villains, and as is so common with the Joker in particular, I don't want it to get highlighted and underlined in Sharpie as well. God, I'm sick of the Joker. So there's one of the big posts about the Joker being problematic. And I have to say, I get where this person's coming from, but I just, I can't agree with it because... I have to ask the question, why the Joker? Because we've had so many problematic movies made before, but it seems like since the Joker is such a polarizing character, such a popular, iconic character, it seems like a very easy target. And I gotta, I'm going to read some other posts because I thought this one person who quote tweeted or responded to another person on Twitter had a very, very good rebuttal. So the original post was from somebody named Scott Feinberg, and they said, "'Joker is very well made, "'and Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. "'Yes, Oscar-worthy. "'But I must say that the film is also deeply disturbing, "'and I fear could incite real-world problems. "'Gun violence, mental illness, and random senseless killing don't play like they used to at the movies. To where someone named Eric Weber responds with this. So we're going to have Joker real-world violence conversation, but films like John Wick, which straight-up fetishize guns and ammo, get passes? Joker isn't the first violent, super-disturbing film to be born in this world. Silence of the Lambs has won five freaking Oscars. Lord Almighty. And I have to say, I agree with user Eric right there, because the Joker isn't the first disturbing film out there. I mean, I've seen plenty of plenty of disturbing films that could have anybody crack. But I think a lot of people, especially, I mean, I think everything is very sensitive nowadays. And I think everybody just like, oh, this is going to be problematic. This is going to cause issues. I don't know. I feel like everybody just wants something to blame today. And the Joker is, you know, it is a white guy going crazy, becoming a super villain, And a lot of people are going to relate to that. There have been, a, yes, there have been issues in the past. We know With the unfortunate events of the Dark Knight Rises, there was that theater shooting. That guy tried to dress up like the Joker or he dyed his hair or he did whatever, but he tried to paint ties to the Joker. And a lot of people didn't like that or think that the Joker is just something that people, you know, relate to and use it to cause issues in the world and, you know, enact violence. And yeah, that one person did do that, but I don't think that's necessarily everything or you can't just tie one movie to that because like the guy said, John Wick uses guns like crazy. I love the John Wick movies, but you know I've never been like, oh, I totally want to do that with a bunch of guns like you don't you don't ever know what's gonna set somebody off to to signal out the Joker and say that this movie's gonna be problematic, it's gonna cause issue. I think this is just kind of dumb in my opinion because again, Anything can set somebody off if you want to really talk about, you know, these mass shootings and stuff like that are happening. I'm sorry if you don't like to talk about politics on here, but this is what's going on with this movie. It's Batman news. It's making headlines. If you want to talk about like shootings and stuff, one of the most recent ones, which is in my home state of Texas, which is was in El Paso. The guy wasn't promoted by any movies or anything like that. Promoted isn't the right word, but the guy's mindset doing this heinous act of violence was, you know, he was like a racist. He hated Mexicans, he hated Hispanics, and he wanted to go kill them in El Paso. He drove four hours to go do this because it was a border city, and that was all politically charged. So you could just place as much blame on politics as you could the Joker movie. You know what I mean? It's it's very hard to say what sets people off nowadays. I think it's a bigger mental health issue for sure. But I just find it's really weird that, you know, certain movies get singled out, but other movies like John Wick or what any kind of violent movie always gets the pass. Because we're like, oh, we're so ingrained, guns or whatever. Like, guns are never the issue. It's always something else. You know what I mean? So we're not going to get into that whole topic. That's something very different. But I just found it very interesting that the Joker is, you know, being, you know, I guess... Singled out in this whole controversy to be painted as a bad movie. It shouldn't come out. It shouldn't be made in today's day and age because of mental illness and everything. When in reality, we should be talking about bigger problems around mental health, about getting people health care and stuff like that instead of saying that movies shouldn't come out. You know what I mean? I again goes down to I think this is an artist's expression Artists should be able to make the art they want to do. As long as they're not hurting anybody physically, they're not hurting themselves, I think it's fair game. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. That's always the biggest thing. If there's something you don't like, don't support it. If, you know, you're not a fan of somebody supporting something you don't like, don't support those people. And this is just kind of how it goes. You're not going to be able to please everybody. And I don't think this Joker movie is made to please everybody. And even on top of that, Todd Phillips made something very... He made a comment that was very interesting to me where somebody asked him about Marvel. And he said, you can't beat Marvel. It's a giant behemoth. Let's do something they can't do. Which is basically what they did with Joker, right? So Marvel is such a big family-friendly... Company, you know, it's Disney, they want you know merchandise, everything that goes along with it. But their movies are genuinely, you know, PG, PG 13, but anybody can watch them, and you're never gonna beat them. They have the best formula, they've had a 10 year run in a cinematic universe. DC is never gonna catch up to Marvel in that realm, but they can do different things. You're not gonna see an R rated MCU movie, I highly doubt that's ever gonna happen. If it does, it would be with Deadpool, but I guarantee you. Deadpool, if it happens, is going to be PG-13, in my opinion. So Todd Phillips is like, let's do something different. We're never going to catch those guys. So why not just make our own, take our own piece of the pie, basically? And that's what the Joker is. The Joker is going to feed a different audience. It's not going to feed the MCU people or the Disney fanboys. It's going to feed a whole different audience that doesn't maybe even care about the MCU. They They, they crave something different. And I think that's what the Joker is going to do. And so that's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I'm totally okay with that. Again, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Moving on from that very heavy topic that is the Joker, let's kind of talk about something that was a big part of last week's episode. And that is, you know, Batman is possibly going to be black in the comic books. We had a whole discussion with fanboy claim that came on the podcast. But now there's uh, some interesting rumors. And I'm going to say take this with a grain of salt, people, because the website it's coming from is Heroic Hollywood. I would say they're kind of hit or miss when it comes to scoops, but they had a scoop recently saying that Matt Reeves casting for Catwoman is not going to be Vanessa Kirby, which was one of the first rumors to come out, but it is going to be a woman of color, which is and apparently Matt Reeves is looking for a Zoe Kravitz type, which could either be a black actress or a biracial actress. So the internet's going crazy because they're like, oh my God, we're going to get a black Catwoman. And I made a point on last podcast was, you know, I'm glad I love diversity. I'm all about it. But why is it that diversity is always black and white? It's just, it's like if you're, if we're usually casting a white actress, but we want to do diverse, they usually cast a black actress. And they're like, bada bing, bada boom, we, you know, we help the audience. We're diverse now. And unfortunately, that's good, but that's only, you know, two pieces of the puzzle where you have so many other ethnicities out there that would love to see themselves. On, you know, the big screen in a superhero movie or any kind of movie, I've made it a point and I talked about this in like, on Twitter and just other places where Latinos, which is what I am, if you don't know, uh, only make up like 4.5 percent of the Hollywood like leading roles, whereas like 70 percent is dominated by white, then 20 something percent I think is dominated by black. And then everything, the, the rest of the percentages are mixed and Latinos are like 4.5 of that. So it's insane, you know, um, and it's unfortunate that when these castings come out, when they're talking about being diverse or something, it's always just a black actress. I, for the longest time, and the rumors for the longest time were saying that Catwoman was going to be a Latina. And I felt like that would be really awesome because it does kind of go back to the comic books. Where her mom has been Cuban, if I'm not mistaken. So it's very plausible that Catwoman is mixed. And so she's half Latina or she's and half white or whatever, because I believe her father was Irish. So we could have had, you know what, somewhat of a comic book accurate character going on in here. But it feels like DC just wants to kind of do diverse. And unfortunately, they're going with this model that diversity just means hiring a black actor or something like that. Um, and I've, you know, in this whole thing, a lot of people are throwing out names out there. To be honest, if, if it is going to be a black actress, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Janelle Monet. I'm going to throw this out there. Also, I think she'd be badass. I love her. I think she's dope. I love her look. I love her like music. It's good stuff. And she'd probably be a dope ass Catwoman. I'm not going to lie. But just there is this little part of me that just wants to see a Latina or just a different kind of Catwoman because we've had a white Catwoman before. We've had a black Catwoman before multiple times, multiple white Catwomen, multiple black Catwomen. I just want to see something different. And I was really hoping to get a Latina on the big screen because it's just it's cool. I want to see my people in superhero movies. And I don't get that in the MCU. There's no leader in in the MCU that is Latino, and I just want to see that. So right now, there is no casting for Catwoman, but the rumors are that we're possibly going to get a person of color for Catwoman, and it looks like it's going to be a black actress. But, of course, that can change. They can still hire a white actress. They can still hire a Latina, Asian, whatever. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but that is the newest rumor that has come out about the Batman movie is that they are looking for a person of color to play the role of Catwoman. But none of that might actually matter because of this other rumor that's coming out. And again, gonna say this, take this one with even more grains of salt. All the grains of salt in the world, take it with that. Because the websites and the sources that I saw for this are not really good. But I've had a few people ask me about this. So I kind of want to talk about it on the podcast just to reach a little bit more people. But there are rumblings that uh, AT&T might be thinking about selling DC Comics because they don't really care about the comic books. The publishing side is what I should say. I want to clarify that because a lot of the stories that are coming out are that AT&T doesn't really care about the publishing of comic books. They care more about just like, okay, Batman, we can make a movie, we can make a show, we can do whatever. I think they care about the media part of it. We can make shows, you know, cartoons, video games. That's where their money is. They don't care about making the comic books, which is the heart and soul of comic books, movies, and everything. It's the source material. But with the acquisition of AT&T buying Warner Brothers and Time Warner and all of that jazz you're getting HBO they have a huge debt that they need to make up they're like 165 billion in debt or something like that and apparently they're going to be able to uh you know they're hoping that these movies and stuff like that are going to be able to get that money back so it'll you know I don't know it there's a lot of business part of this but apparently they're in debt and the way a lot of companies get out of this kind of stuff is that they actually sell off properties to other people to try to get some of that money back. And the rumor is that, you know, DC could possibly get sold to somebody else so AT&T can kind of just, you know, recoup some of that money that they have lost. Now, obviously that sounds like a pretty stupid idea. Why would you get rid of the second biggest comic book company? Arguably some could say first, but, you know, with the MCU being so popular, everybody kind of just says Marvel's number 1, DC's number 2. DC is the longest running comic book company. But just in general, people think it would be really stupid to sell DC. And I was talking to this with fanboy Clay earlier today, and he was like, there's no way that would be the stupidest idea ever. But when you really think about it, remember, people that own billion-dollar companies don't really care about the other lower things if it's not making a lot of money they don't care they're like oh if I could just sell this for two billion that's a big profit for me it's not making two billion I'll just sell it for two billion it's just kind of how it goes they care about profits they don't care about long-term planning and stuff like that and I think that's what could doom DC because we did kind of see that with Swamp Thing Apparently, the at and executives were the reasons why Swamp Thing got canceled. They didn't care about the success of it. They were just like, it's too much to make it. We're going to cancel it. And they didn't even try to give it a smaller budget or anything along those lines. They just killed that show. So they could be like, oh, the comics aren't making enough money, whatever, or they cost too much and they don't make enough profit. Axe them. You know, that's what could happen theoretically. Do I think that's going to happen? No. Because I feel like if you were to stop making comics and you're not making new Batman stories, eventually that's going to hurt the character in the long run. That doesn't mean that they can't scale back and be like, we're not going to make as many or whatever, which is kind of happening. All the books are going to start going back to monthly opposed to bi-weekly. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next year. The rumors in these articles say that there's a big meeting happening October 29th. I don't know if there's going to be this big meeting. Apparently it has to do with HBO Max. I did read a Forbes article, which I think Forbes is a little bit more reliable. They were talking about where DC fits into AT&T's like, multimedia plans. And DC didn't really get mentioned at all. So they're thinking like, maybe that's a little bit of fear. But you know, Forbes even mentioned they're like they don't think DC is going anywhere. Because it has some of the most iconic logos in the world. With Batman, with Superman, Wonder Woman anything like they even say it rivals disney logos so they think that at&t is smart enough to keep the branding there because they can really you know profit off the merchandising so the merchandising of these logos might be what saves dc but i don't know it would be really crazy to think that at&t could sell the dc property the dc brand to somebody else And that worries me if that were to happen. Again, this is all hypothetical. It's just rumors. But that would super, super scare me if Disney had the option to buy DC. Because I don't think anybody in the world should own the two biggest comic book properties. And I know some people are like, oh my god, but then the DC could join up with Marvel. Or they could be, you know, have their own universe like Marvel and it would be the greatest. I don't really think that's the case because if, you want, if you're a fan of the MCU, I'm glad you like it. But it's very formulaic and I don't want that to happen with the DC characters. I will take DC and Warner Brothers just trying to make different movies kind of like the Joker opposed to having the same kind of style movie for every single character. I don't want that. So that is the worst case scenario would be like, oh, Disney, we got billions of dollars. Let's just buy it. Also, they would be saturating the market with having everything. Like there there's not a lot of uniqueness there in my opinion if somebody just owns all of the big properties. And you can go look at statistics. Disney owns like they are the biggest by far movie like profiteers there is. It's insane, and a lot of people are concerned about it because Again, there's not that there's not any originality there, and everybody's just like, Oh, let's just go watch these same movies over and over. I would like it to go to Amazon, to be honest. I know a lot of people are probably like, No, Amazon, boo. But I think Amazon has the money to do something like that. They have cool things like twitch.tv, which they could probably post stuff on there if they wanted to and they could promote the hell out of things, and they have their own streaming service as well already with Twitch Prime. Amazon Prime, sorry. And they just did an amazing show like The Boys, and that thing had no limits. Like, it was really crazy. So, I wouldn't mind the DC brand going to a company that doesn't, isn't scared to take risks. You know, they're not scared to do something adult. They're not scared to push the boundaries, and I feel like that's what DC has always done in its comic books, because, I don't know what you guys keep up with, but Marvel, from what I've heard, since it's been acquired by Disney, they don't really care about the comics as much, but they do have limits on the comics. Like the Star Wars, they produce Star Wars comics, and apparently the Princess Leia, like, slave outfit, the bikini and stuff, is off limits. You can't even make that in comic books, you can't make toys about it, statues, all of that is gone. Disney does not want the Slave Leia outfit Anywhere in their products, so again, that is just becoming more of that family friendly model, and I just don't want that to happen to DC. I don't want to know that the Dark Knight probably can't be as dark, you know what I mean? I don't know, those are just my rambling thoughts on the idea of DC possibly being sold if it were to go to Disney and who I would possibly want it to go to if it did get sold, but again. I do think AT&T would be pretty dumb if they were to sell this, but I don't own a billion-dollar company, so you know what? I'm just talking out of my ass on this. Before we move on to the comic books, which we are going to talk about, Batman 78, which I absolutely love this issue, I do want to mention that I saw Titans Season 2, Episode 1 real quick, and I have to say, did not really like it. I didn't like the first, like, three-fourths of the episode until Deathstroke showed up. Uh, because it just felt really weird because, you know, if you saw Titan season one, the first season just had the weirdest cliffhanger ever. And you can tell that this episode was supposed to be the final episode, which they made that clear. For some reason, they decided to make the finale episode the first episode of season two. Really bad idea, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like a very weird tonal shift in this show. It ends kind of weird. I just, I thought that whole storyline from season one was kind of weird and boring, in my opinion. I thought it was kind of cringe at moments. But anyways, at the end of the episode, this is spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen it, so if you don't want to, you know, hear the spoilers, jump ahead like two minutes or three minutes or whatever. The episode, we see Slade, and he sees that the Titans are actually on TV, and he's in, like retirement. That's what you get you get the feel that he's in retirement, and then he sees the Titans. And he's like, whoa, and, uh, he, and he basically goes back to being freaking Deathstroke, and I think that was really cool, and you could just feel the show kind of change tonally, and then at the end of it, Dick Grayson, who was feuding with Batman or saying F Batman or whatever all of last season— finally goes back and talks to Bruce Wayne, and it's really interesting, and then you get the hint that he's about to start a whole new team of Titans in San Francisco, and he has to take Robin, who is, you know, Jason Todd, with him, so it's gonna be really interesting, the show does have me intrigued for where it's going, especially with Deathstroke, because I feel like if they add a more human villain into the show, that it'll be a lot better I've, I don't know, I've seen it in other, you know, CW shows and other shows, when people get into the magic part, I feel like magic stuff is very, very tricky, because a lot of it looks very silly, can be cringy, and I felt like that's what happened in season one, is because you got these human elements and not there you know there was only a couple super powered people in titans but a majority of them are just humans and then they're fighting this magic and stuff like that and it just kind of it throws it off really weird but when you have characters like dick grayson fighting other people like deathstroke that's such a more engaging concept because it's believable you know what i mean you feel like these people that can change worlds and destroy things would just kill a normal human which is always the issue with batman you know the character that this whole podcast is based around but you know batman's a badass so we let it pass but you know what I mean I don't know I just feel like watching it it's a lot more difficult Arrow season four is something I can throw out there hated Arrow season four it was such the worst thing with Damian Dark but yeah I don't know I feel like a lot of people a lot of those things when you add magic is very hit or miss and I felt like that was what season one is but if you are interested in Deathstroke and I should say a way better Deathstroke than the CW-verse Definitely get on Titan Season 2 because it looks like it's going to be awesome. Now, finally, we're moving on to the comic books. And I hope you guys stick around for this because, man, we finally got Batman 78. And this this issue, I will say, people are either going to love it or hate it. And the reason why I say that is because we got the biggest cliffhanger on Batman 77 with the death of Alfred. And we know that Bane snapped his neck. And he they did it right in front of, you know, uh, Damian Wayne, which is Robin. And it was just this huge thing. At the moment, Bruce doesn't know that Alfred's dead. So you're just like, I can't wait to see what is happening in this comic book. Well, I'll tell you right now, again, this is going to be spoilers for this issue if you want to read it. We don't get the answers. To that question, ladies and gentlemen, because this issue does not even have anything to do with Gotham, but it has everything to do with Batman and Catwoman, and I absolutely loved it. I just recently did a podcast with fanboy clay it's gonna be coming up this friday i think he's relaunching his podcast we talk about my favorite book of all time which is batman hush which is the first time batman reveals his identity to catwoman they kiss you know it's basically starting up the modern day romance of batman catwoman which is something i've always loved and i know a lot of people hate batman having emotions i'm not in that boat get in the boat i think batman's a stronger character for having emotions because he doesn't show them a lot so when he does show them it's so much more impactful in my opinion anyways throughout this whole book it's one beautifully beautifully drawn by Clayman, colors by the great timore which is that's his name on instagram i'm totally forgetting his first name but his last name is more he's amazing he does some of the greatest colors in all of comic books, but you know, the, both of them together always do the greatest things. But anyways, and of course it's written by Tom King. This whole comic book is basically Batman and Catwoman finally reconciling everything that happened at the wedding. And Fanboy Clay, he was on the podcast last time, he had a big issue with this issue because it. he says it stunted the momentum. I totally don't agree with him. I thought it was amazing. Blah, 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 blah. But anyways... The whole issue is them kind of just chilling on this beach and talking and training at the same time. So there's, like, these little montages of, I will say, they're paddleboarding on the ocean. They're talking about, like, just random stuff of, like, why are you lying to me because Bruce is saying I'm fine. She's like, oh, I love when you lie, blah, blah, blah. And it's just all of this kind of, like, mushy dialogue. But you just know that there's these... these you feel that they're not really telling each other their true emotions. And I do want to point out that Bruce is incognito because he he can't be Bruce Wayne on a beach because everybody knows about Bruce Wayne. So he's matches Malone, which is one of his most iconic freaking, you know, disguises in comic books. So he's matches Malone and he's just with Selena Kyle because Selena Kyle's not that as well known as Bruce Wayne or anything like that. And they're just chilling on this beach and there's this one funny moment where they're ordering drinks and Selena's trying to order two alcoholic drinks for them. Bruce is actually like, uh, make one of those a ginger ale. And the bartender's watching Selena walk away. And she's like in this like bikini and stuff. And the bartender's all like, dude, is that your wife? And it cuts to the next page where Selena's like, what are we? And then Bruce is like, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of this theme that goes throughout the whole issue is they're constantly saying something doesn't matter. Whether that's during their training, During uh, there's this one scene where they're actually trying to go to sleep. And they're in separate rooms. They're not sharing a room, but they have rooms right next to each other. And Selena says she can hear Bruce breathing through these walls because they're so thin. She was like, if you don't go to sleep, I can't go to sleep because she's worried about him. He's like, everything's fine. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Which if you've ever been in a relationship, you know it doesn't matter or I'm fine is never. It's always the opposite thing because it does matter and I'm not fine. That's how it goes in the relationship. So seeing this very simple dialogue playing out in this issue was so great. And again, there's like these montages of them training, like climbing up mountains. Selena's talking about how she still has Bruce's ring. And he's like, that's not my ring because, you know, he gave it to her. She's talking about it. She was like, I think I still have it because it feels like stealing because it doesn't belong to me. He's like, it doesn't, like it's not mine anymore. And then they kind of just have this like just banter going back and forth. And you know, they just never want to get to what they both really need to talk about. And the art is just drawn so beautifully in there and there and Batman and Catwoman are in their suits and they're on some of the most like beautiful scenery you'll ever see, like at the top of mountains and in a freaking waterfall with a rainbow. Like it sounds so cheesy, but it's just these super romantic places that you'd think people would fall in love in. And there's like almost about to kiss and stuff each time. And they're like, no, doesn't matter. Let's get back to the basically the training and the fighting. And if you're curious on why they're training or fighting on this island is because Batman has been broken and Selina wants to show him that he or they can take back Gotham together. So she's trying to get him back to being that angry Batman that can beat the hell out of anybody. So there's some more of these scenes of them almost kissing and Selina pushing him away saying, no, it doesn't matter. And then there's this one scene where they're actually sitting by a campfire, and Selena's talking about how she's envisioned them being old together and them having a child, which is Helena Wayne. And if you, the, the great thing about this is if you've been following Tom King's Run like I have, there was an annual number two, which has been regarded as one of the best Batman annuals or stories in general that has to deal with Catwoman because it's, it's about the first time they've met. And how they were just so connected with each other. And she kept toying with Bruce. Because she knew he was trying to be this hero. And that she was leaving these little mouses around for him. And he was like taking care of them. And he actually knew where she was the whole time. Every time she stole something from him. Basically she was trying to make him better. Because she knew that people in Gotham were going to eat him alive. If he wasn't better. So she was just testing him. And he was like I knew where you were this whole time. Like he was basically letting her test him it was just such this great thing and they share this kiss at the end of that issue and then it fast forwards to them being old together and actually bruce dying and her like weeping over him and you see all the bat family all older and they have grandchildren or whatever and you even see helena wayne become batwoman or she's batwoman you know as her parents are super old and stuff and it was just such a great freaking comic book That dealt with the relationship of Batman and Catwoman. Which is something you never see in the comic books. Because unfortunately, what sells is Batman being in his prime. Catwoman always being sexy. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the same stuff. Like, that's why you never see Bart Simpson ever age or anything like that. Because those characters are best when they got started. They're better in their primes is the easiest way to say that. So we never get to really see this progression of, you know, just human growing With these characters, they're always in that same just like five year span and then they get rebooted and new people come in. But they're constantly just doing the same thing at the same age. So that story was so great. So going back to this issue, you see Selena basically talking about that. Everything I just talked about them growing old is basically what she talks about in these panels. And she's saying how they grew old together and they would laugh about things. And then she talks about how she thought she was the hero When she left him at the altar because that's what heroes do. Heroes sacrifice their own happiness for the betterment of the world. She felt that if she left Batman, he could be Batman forever. And that she would never get in the way. Like She had to leave him alone so the world could have Batman because the world needs Batman. She mentions how at night she would just stay up. And she didn't feel like the hero. She felt like a thief because she just wanted Batman there. She wanted to be selfish instead of having to give him up for the world. You know what I mean? That's basically what she's saying here. And Batman says, like, he wept too and stuff like that. But then again, you don't really get any closure in the last two panels of that page because they're kind of just looking at each other and then they look off into the moonlight. Then it cuts to what I think is the most symbolic page Of this whole comic book and these 78 issues that we've been reading of this Batman run by Tom King. Batman and Catwoman are training on a beach and they're throwing this Batarang back and forth. And Catwoman's saying that Batman needs to throw this Batarang harder. He needs to throw it with anger. And she's trying to provoke him. She's trying to say like you need to throw it without like any remorse basically. You need to be stronger because that's the only way you're going to be Bane. She tells Bruce, you need to pretend that we were this close to happiness and I made a decision for both of us to take it away. You need to have that anger and you need to fight with that anger to actually take back Gotham. I need you to think that way. So now throw the damn battering at me with all of that hate behind it. Selena's saying that, you know, throw all of that hate and she's going to catch it. She was like, I will catch this battering. Just I need you to have all that anger and throw it at me. And there's this panel of her saying, I will always catch it. And Bruce is just holding this batarang and then the panel after that is it falling into the ocean like it, it points down and he says no. And it shows him walking away it, and it, there's this beautiful panel of him walking away from the batarang towards Catwoman saying like, no, you didn't do this to me. I did. And Selina is like, you totally know nothing, Jon Snow. And then they she kind of pushes him away saying like, no, I totally did this. And Bruce Wayne goes on this little speech saying how like, no, the only reason that you left me at the altar is because I believed that I couldn't be happy, that I needed to be Batman to save the world and that I can't be happy and save the world at the same time. But maybe I needed to fall this far to realize the world is better when Batman has happiness and I can be both. I can be happy and Batman. Which is amazing because that whole him dropping the battering and walking away from it is finally realizing that he can have both things. He's finally admitting to himself, he's finally admitting to Catwoman that he was wrong, that they were both wrong, that they're not people that need to be broken to be successful, that they can actually fight together. And be happy. And the book explains that so much better. You should definitely pick up Batman 78. But this is what Batman says in one panel. What if we, both of us, maybe we don't live because of the hurt. Maybe we live to fight the hurt. And that goes back to the discussion that Batman and Catwoman basically had right before she said yes to the proposal. And it's just this long, just tying of this knot on this bow between Batman and Catwoman. And it's just so It was so good. Like, I've literally read this issue from front to back three times already, and I I just want to keep reading it. I'm looking at it while I'm talking on this podcast, and I absolutely love it. And then, you know, it goes to the end where they're both kissing, like, on this very sunset-looking beach. It's one of the most beautiful panels you'll ever see. And then it kind of ends with this nine page spread or it's more like a seven panel spread of Batman and Catwoman going back and forth and kissing and saying, like, you don't know what you've gotten into and blah, blah, blah. And they're just they're just being happy again. But just seeing the symbolism and everything of both of these characters who have been troubled for so long that both could finally admitted to each other that they don't need to be these broken pieces anymore, that they can actually be whole if they're together was so freaking amazing it was so human and it finally shuts down that stupid saying of batman can't be happy because he needs to the he needs the darkness to be batman no i would argue that a happy batman is an even more dangerous batman because he has something to fight for he's always had the vow he's always had the vow and we totally know that But now he could have a love of his life. He could probably start a family. He already has the Bat family. But now he has somebody by his side that will fight with him that he's only going to fight that much harder. That is what people do in freaking real life. When people have families, they bust their ass. They They work five jobs or whatever they need to do to protect those families. And I mean, even significant others, have you not been or even friendships like have you never had that friend or that loved one that you would just do anything for like, hey, can you come pick me up? But I'm three hours away and blah, 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 blah. And you drive those three hours or, you know, somebody's in a bind and you help them out. Like, it's just those human relationships that are so great that happened in this freaking comic book, people, between two of the most iconic characters of all time. Oh, I can't believe it. Like, I just absolutely loved this freaking comic book. Tom King is amazing. I love him. And I know a lot of people don't like this. They think it's too mushy. Ugh, I'm tired of Bat and Cat. It's so stupid dialogue. No. what? Okay, I heard somebody say... I saw this in one of the comment sections on a random post on Instagram, but they loved that when Bruce and Selena would talk to each other with their real names because it just felt more human or because Bruce remembered that Selena's is a person under the cow. No! First of all, I just want to point out, I absolutely hate when superheroes call each other by their real names when they're in costume because secret identities, people! I absolutely hate when that happens. I hate it when it happened in Justice League where Wonder Woman and all of them were trying to fight freaking Superman and she's all like, Clark, no, uh, what? Side note, I totally forgot to talk about this, but it was revealed that Tim Drake's new freaking superhero name is Drake. Drake? <laughs> Drake? Yeah, freaking Drake. Brian Michael Bendis has just made Tim Drake's last name his superhero name. Which is one of the most ridiculous and dumb things I've ever said, not said, but heard. Because you don't need to be a super freaking detective to figure that out. I thought his codename was going to be Sparrow. I thought that would have been way more logical because he's wearing a freaking Sparrow colored suit now. But yeah, apparently his new code name's going to be Drake and he's wearing a doo-doo costume for no reason now. Anyways, back to the main topic. Absolutely hate when characters call themselves by their real names in their costumes because secret identities are a thing. So, of course, Batman and Catwoman would call each other Bat or Cat for short because, they're, you know, she, they love each other at this point. So they'll probably be like, oh, yeah, hey, Batwoman or hey, Catwoman, you know, whatever. Like, they're not going to say the full names. They shorten it. And I also think Tom King is a lover of the old comic books. So I think, oh well, I should say I know the titles back in the day would be The Cat or The Bat you know, back in the day. So I think he's just kind of paying homage to that and using them as pet names in this dialogue with these two characters. It doesn't bother me. I can see why it might annoy people, but I also know that it's just paying homage to stuff from the Golden Age and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I I can't rant and rave about this issue enough because I absolutely love the Batman-Catwoman dynamic. I love the relationship and that's why I was so heartbroken By the damn wedding because they didn't get married. But it's paying off, I think, beautifully right now. Of course, we're going to have the Batman Catwoman series, Bat Cat for short, uh, coming out next year. And that is going to be the end of Tom King's run. So if it's going to be a bunch of this, I absolutely love it. If you don't know about that series yet, they're bringing back Phantasm which, if you've ever seen Mask of the Phantasm, yeah, that character, Bruce Wayne's first love interest or the one that he was really close to that he almost married. She's coming back and she's going to be in freaking continuity of the DC Universe for the first time. And apparently all of that it, that happened in that movie is going to be continuity except for the Joker stuff. Tom King said that that's kind of muddled because you can't ever really say the Joker's origin. So, But pretty much everything else, them being in love, almost getting married, all of that jazz, is definitely going to be part of the movie. And then, of course, it's going to have Catwoman involved in it. So, I don't know. I'm all for that. But, Tom King, if you're out there, I don't think you're going to be listening to this podcast. But, man, this is awesome. It's it's so great. I know a lot of people constantly will say, like, oh, the Batcast stuff, whatever. I don't care. Fuck those people. I'll say it right now. Because this is such great writing. Batman... Is I think has has one of the best stories going on right now. Some people are gonna totally hate me for saying that, but I don't care. I've read so many Batman stories in my time. You can only see the brooding stuff over and over so many times. I love that this is different, it's a more human story, and I'm just I can't wait for City of Bane and seeing how these two people, Batman and Catwoman, are going to take back Gotham. That has me excited now that they finally got past their personal petty shit and like, oh yeah, you left me, blah 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 blah. Now they're just going to go back and kick ass, and I'm so excited for it. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. That is what I got for this Batman News Weekly. I really hope you love just a rambling moron to listen to on your day-to-day whenever you listen to this. I really appreciate the support. But that's what those are the biggest topics for this week of Batman. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, I appreciate your support of this. This podcast, it means a lot to me. Also, if you want to if you're not getting enough of your daily dose of juice from this podcast or your daily dose of Batman, go subscribe to my YouTube channel bat from the box or also my react channel where I've been reacting to just a whole bunch of other pop culture things like, you know, video game trailers or movie trailers, stuff like that, of course when a batman trailer drops i will be reacting to it any of that kind of stuff i will be so definitely go subscribe to those channels also you can follow me on instagram or any other social medias out there instagram is really my main one so if you kind of want to talk to me you want to chat you can send me messages on instagram at juice from the box or bat from the box, you know, if you want to just talk nerdy stuff, if you want to actually leave a message on this freaking podcast that I can listen to, maybe, if it's good enough, it'll be in the next episode. You can go ahead and do that over on Anchor FM. Uh, Download the app or go on the website, uh, which is where you might be listening to this podcast right now. But you can actually record messages and leave them to me. I might respond to them in the next podcast. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, to wrap this up, I am your host, Juice Wayne. Remember to wake up in the morning, ask yourself something. Find my daily dose of juice. See you guys next time.